Good morning, and welcome to Transformation Radio. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our scripture today comes from Mark chapter 13, verses 14 through 37. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration refers to the desecration of the temple by God's enemies. We'll read about that here in Scripture today. This happened repeatedly in Israel's history. In the year 597 B.C., when Nebuchadnezzar looted the temple and took Judean captives to Babylon. In 168 B.C., when Antiochus Epiphanes sacrificed a pig to Zeus on the sacred temple altar. Again in AD 70, when the Roman general Titus placed an idol on the site of the burned-out temple after the destruction of Jerusalem. Just a few years after Jesus gave this warning in AD 38, the emperor Caligula made plans to put his own statue in the temple. But he died before this could be carried out. Now, Some Christian couples who are contemplating pregnancy have been discouraged by this verse we'll read here today. They wonder if kids should be brought into a world filled with sin and filled with evil and terror. Jesus was not making a general warning against pregnancy. Many times in history, we've had risks and drawbacks. No place or time is perfect. We must remember that God will look out for the welfare of our children as He has looked out for us. You made it through, (laughs) so will they. Now, we'll read about the chosen ones. These are God's chosen people, those who are saved. Is it possible for Christians to be deceived? Well, of course, yes. So convincing will be the arguments and proofs from deceivers in the end times that it will be difficult not to fall away from Christ. If we're prepared, Jesus says, we can remain faithful. But if we're not prepared, we'll turn away. To penetrate the disguises of false teachers, we can ask things like, number one, have their predictions come true? Or do they have to revise them to fit what's already happened? Uh, Number two, does any teaching utilize a small section of the Bible to the neglect of the whole? Number three, does the teaching contradict what the Bible says about God? And number four, are the practices meant to glorify the teacher or Christ? And finally, number five, do the teachings promote hostility toward other Christians? Well, the truth that heaven and earth will disappear is all that much more believable in our age of nuclear power and terrorism and bio-warfare. Jesus tells us, however, that even though the earth will pass away, the truth of His words will never be changed or abolished. God and His word provide the only stability in our unstable world. I mean... How short-sighted people are who spend all their time and energy learning about this temporary world and accumulating its possessions while neglecting the Bible and its eternal truths. Mark chapter 13 tells us how to live while we wait for Christ's return. Number one, we are not to be misled by confusing claims or speculative interpretations of what will happen. Number two, we should not be afraid to tell people about Christ, despite what they might say or do to us. Number three, we must stand firm by faith and not be surprised by persecution. Number four, we must be morally alert, obedient to the commands for living found in God's Word. This chapter, by the way, was not given to promote discussions on prophetic timetables, but uh, 
to stimulate right living for God in a world where He is largely ignored. All right, that's enough of an overview and commentary. Let's begin our reading now here today in the New Testament. March 7th, the New Testament, Mark chapter 13, verses 14 through 37. The day is coming when you will see the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where he should not be. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out on the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter, for there will be greater anguish in those days than at any time since God created the world, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, not a single person will survive. But for the sake of his chosen ones, he has shortened those days. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Watch out. I have warned you about this ahead of time. At that time, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch for you don't know when the master of the household will return, in the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. Psalm 50, verses 1 through 23. Asaph begins his psalm by describing God's final judgment of people on earth. Surprisingly, we read that God's great fury is leveled against his own people, or at least uh, those who claim to be his. You see, God's judgment must begin first with his own children 
or else it simply would not be fair to everybody else. God's perfect moral nature demands that the penalty for sin be death. However, people could offer an animal to God as a substitute for their own lives, symbolizing their faith in the merciful, forgiving God. But the people were offering sacrifices and forgetting their significance. And the very act of sacrifice showed that they had once agreed to follow God wholeheartedly. But at this time, their hearts were not in it, as we shall read about here today. We may fall into the same pattern when we participate in religious activities, or tithing or attending church out of habit or conformity, rather than out of heartfelt love and obedience. God wants righteousness, not empty ritual. Psalm 50, verses 1 through 23, a psalm of Asaph. The Lord, the Mighty One, is God, and He has spoken. He has summoned all humanity from where the sun rises to where it sets. From Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in glorious radiance. Our God approaches, and He is not silent. Fire devours everything in His way and a great storm rages around him. He calls on the heavens above and earth below to witness the judgment of his people. Bring my faithful people to me, those who made a covenant with me by giving sacrifices. Then let the heavens proclaim his justice, for God himself will be the judge. Interlude O oh, my people, listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you, O Israel. I am God, your God. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. But I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God, and keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. But God says to the wicked, Why bother reciting my decrees and pretending to obey my covenant? for you refuse my discipline and treat my words like trash. When you see thieves, you approve of them, and you spend your time with adulterers. Your mouth is filled with wickedness, and your tongue is full of lies. You sit around and slander your brother, your own mother's son. While you did all this, I remained silent, and you thought I didn't care. But now I will rebuke you, listing all my charges against you. Repent, all of you who forget me, or I will tear you apart, and no one will help you. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Proverbs chapter 10 verses 29 and 30. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to those with integrity, but it destroys the wicked. The godly will never be disturbed.
but the wicked will be removed from the land. And that does it for today's podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another edition of Transformation Radio.